and read down through verse 21, the end of the chapter there. These are God's words for us this morning. And here's what our God says, beginning at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God's, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He So we have come to know and to believe the the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he is also uh, and, and he is so also we are in the world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has uh, not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a Liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom uh, he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And, And this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother. You may be seated. Thank you, Father, for your word. There's no word like your word. Your word is perfect. It's forever settled in the heavens. We're thankful, Father, that you have given us this gift of your word. And now we pray for the gift of your spirit that that moved upon John to pen these words, that now your spirit would move in our midst and in our hearts, that we would see wonderful things from this passage. And not, not just see wonderful things, but in seeing wonderful things, we would be changed by your very word. Help us, for we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, on on first look, when I when I first read this passage, I thought, man, this thing just meanders. I don't I don't know what the structure is to this and where we're going with this. It just seems like he's ebbing and flowing and moving in and out and touching on this and talking about that and and uh, but but just the longer I, I stared at this um, passage of scripture, the the the, the more it, it, it just, the Lord kind of helped me to see. I think uh, uh, if, if I don't see it right, it's not the Lord's fault; it's my fault. But but that that there is a, a beautiful, wonderful structure here. First of all, I, I think the passage that we've just read uh, is, is divided into two segments. 
Uh, verses 12 through 16 is the first segment, and verses 17 through 21 is the, sec- the, the second segment. And, um, uh, it, and I think you see some, the longer you stare at this passage, I think you'll see some reoccurring features or themes that, that are picked up and, and, uh, and dealt with in, uh, in each of these two segments. Like, like, for instance, let me just point out a couple of the structural markers here. Um, in verse 12, it makes the obvious statement, no one... Uh, has ever seen God, hmm. and, and then it go all the way down to to um, uh, later in the in the passage in verse twenty, it, it, it talks about um, loving your brother who you can't who you can see, and and and, not, and 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 saying that you love God whom you do not see. So so he, he picks up that theme of not being able to see God. He he deploys those two statements to make related and yet distinct points. Or look at what he says in verse 12, second, the latter part of verse 12. It talks about his love is perfected in us. This is, a, this is certainly a huge issue in this segment of Scripture. We'll talk about what that looks like and what that means. But then he, he picks it up again in verse 17. In fact, uses it a couple, three times in verse 17 and 18 about his love is perfected in us. And then the other uh, marker that I, I, I would make note of is in verse 13. Of course, John loves to use this kind of phrase all throughout his book. But in verse 13, he talks about by this, referring back to what he said in verse 12, by this we know. And, and, then, and then in this second segment, he, he picks up that similar kind of statement again in verse 17. And it says, by this is love uh, perfected uh, with us. And so, so you, it, it, it's not as as uh, disjunctive as it may seem on first take. Well, at least that was my impression when I first looked at it. The longer you look at it, the, the more you see that he's going somewhere with this. Two, two things I want us to note here. In first, in verses 12 through 16, I want us to see something of the root of God's perfecting love. Uh, and, and, and in so doing, I, we want to we mull over... Um, Something of what, what is going on inside of us, us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what is going on inside of us? There's a, there's, there's, there's a divine component of what's going on inside of us, and there's a human component in what's going on inside of us. We, we, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. That's part of what's going on inside of us. But as a result of that, we see Jesus, and we trust and believe in Jesus, and then the second point I want us to look at in verses 17 through 21 is something of what I would call the fruit of God's perfecting love. So the verses 12 through, 12 through 16 talk more about what's going on inside of us. Verses 17 through 21 talk about what's giving rise out of us, what's, what's giving rise from us. And, and there's a personal component of this fruit of God's perfecting love pertaining to fear, and then there's an interpersonal component of, of what's give, giving rise from us, and that is a, a love for the people that we see, our brothers. All right? Or maybe a, def- a different way to see these two points um, is um, how do we know that we belong to Jesus? That's primarily parsed out in 12 through 16. Uh, how do we truly know that we belong to Jesus, that we are abiding in Jesus? Well, and I think the answer is that God's love is being perfected in us. 
We are the recipients of God's perfect love, and as a result of that, God's love that is, that which, in which he perfectly loves us is at work in us. Well, and how do we know that God's love is being perfected in us? That's really verses 17 through 21. Well, we are driven not by a fear of judgment before God, but we are driven by a love for the people that are around us that we see. All right, let's, let's look a bit more closer now. The first point, 12 through 16, the root of God's perfecting love. Um, it, it really, he's just, uh, J- John started a topic of love back in chapter 2. He picked it up in chapter 3. He elongated it in chapter 3, picked it up again in chapter 4. He dealt with it in our passage last week. He's not quite done dealing with it yet. So uh, uh, love for the brethren is one of the three markers that John just picks up and, 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 and uh, deals with all throughout his book. It's very cyclical in that way. It's important to John, for those of us who profess to belong to Jesus, it's important for John, John wants us to know how important it is that we understand that, that to say we believe in Jesus means that we comprehend who Jesus truly is and we truly believe in him. Secondly, that in comprehending and believing who Jesus truly is, that we live a life of obedience and righteousness. And then thirdly, that those of us who truly believe in the true Jesus, who live who, 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 who are embarked on, on a journey of living obediently and, and righteously, we love the brethren. And he just picks up those things and talks about one, moves on to the next one, moves on to the next one, then picks it up again. And so here we are once again talking about the matter of, of love. And the point here in verses 12 through 16 is that God is growing or maturing us in how we love with the same kind of love with which he loves us. Remember, last week when we were looking at the preceding verses, the, God is love. He, he defines what love is. He can't do anything but love in that sense. Every, everything about him is tainted with his love, is biased by his love, is colored by his love. And we notice that that's a love that initiates. It's a love that sacrifices. And we'll talk more about that as we go on. It, it, that it's a love that is, it is not caused by sight of loveliness. In other words, something outside of God doesn't trigger God to love. Nothing causes God to love from, from outside of him. It is, it is what is inside of God, the very being of who he is that, 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 that seeks to love. That, that it's not a response to catching sight of something lovely, but, but, but it is that which loves that which is unlovely and yet creates loveliness in the object of the thing loved. That's how God does love. It's a giving for the benefit of, of others. And, and really what we're learning here is that, 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 that perfect kind of love with which God loves us, he is now growing that kind of love in us. Now, that's an amazing gift. They think, how, how are you and I ever going to get love right? How, how are we ever going to love our spouses perfectly? How are we ever going to love our kids perfectly? We, not, we know how to love our grandkids perfectly. That's easy. But, but, uh, but everybody else in the world, knowing how to love them perfectly, that's a, that's a far shot, a long way off. And it's like, oh, will I ever get this right? And what God is saying is, I got this. 
my perfect love for you is going to get translated in enabling you to grow and to mature and to pro- progress and to develop in how you too will love perfectly. Heaven will be a place of perfect love, perfected love. So on the one hand, we will never completely arrive at a state of perfection in our love this side of eternity, but it's a coming, and it's already a starting. Now, you say, well, if he loves us perfectly already, um, then why don't I love others perfectly already? Well, because there's some dynamic going on inside of us. It's... When you and I do not love perfectly, it's not because God doesn't love us perfectly. It's because, quite frankly, it's a struggle to figure out how to ongoingly abide and trust and rely upon our God who loves us perfectly. The snag is still by components left over inside of us from our fallen condition that's not been completely removed yet. And so, no, we, we, we do not love perfectly because we do not abide perfectly, and yet, and yet we are called to abide perfectly. Uh, and, and, and the reason why we can have any hope or, or, or notion of doing so is because God's Spirit is in us. Verse 13, and by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because he has given us his spirit. We believe in Jesus. We ongoingly believe in Jesus. On the one hand, on the one hand that, that entails our own desires and affections and choices and mind and will. I mean, God doesn't believe for us on the one hand. On the other hand, when any of us who abide in Jesus ongoingly, we give praise to the Spirit who is at work in us, who has, first of all, opened our eyes at a point in time where we see Jesus as lovely, as beautiful, as, 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 as the one who has atoned for our sins, who has taken away God's wrath by, by, by substituting himself for us. And when we see that and the light bulb clicks, the Spirit opens our eyes and opens our hearts, and then, then we trust in Jesus We trust in Jesus, and yet we trust in Jesus because the Spirit is in us. And so we see something altogether differently. I mean, isn't it confusing? You and I say, Jesus is so wonderful, is so majestic, is so beautiful. Why don't everybody see it that way? Well, it certainly isn't because I have better vision or because I'm smarter or because... I'm more righteous or more holy. It's because the Spirit of God is in us, enabling us to see this loveliness, to see this majesty, to, to see this, this Savior of the world. And, and it causes us to want to personalize this Savior of the world and trust in Him. Not just that we know a few things about Him, but now we want to, we want to depend upon Him and, and submit ourselves gladly, willingly to Him. We, we, and we want to ongoingly do that. We want to ongoingly abide in Him. And as we ongoingly abide in Him, because we trust in Jesus, because His Spirit is inside of us, God is, on, even on this day, growing or maturing or perfecting in us how we love. 
Now grab this. He, he makes this point really all throughout both segments of our passage. No, there, there is no professing that we believe in Jesus and that be tagged as genuine with, with, without evidence at, at the point of desire as well as at the point of active progress that we love others. Because what has brought us to a saving belief in Jesus is the same Spirit who is now working in us to bring our love for our brothers to perfection. Second point, that's the root of God's perfecting love. It's, it, it's rooted in, it's the essence of when we believe in Jesus as the Spirit is at work in us. Let's say maybe a few things now about the fruit of perfecting love. By, by this, God's, verse 17, God's, by, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. So on the one hand, the first fruit of God's perfecting love in us is it does something in us, for us personally in that sense. It, 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 it takes the, the native fear that we have, if we have enough sense to think about it, the fear that we would have, thinking, how, how, how am I going to stand before a holy God and give an explanation for myself? There's a sense that, that any time even an, an, a messenger of God shows up in the Bible, people are terrified you know, those sweet little cute cherubs that we see that are called angels in, in, in modern culture? It's just like, you're like, oh, it's so cute. No, no one thought an angel was cute in, in biblical times. You're like, oh, I'm going to die. There's a sense of holiness here that says, I'm in trouble. So if we're thinking straight and we think, how, how am I going to stand before a holy God? How, 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 am I on the, how am I going to have confidence, verse 17 in essence is getting that, on the day of judgment? How? Well, in a sense, the, the answer is back to the first point, that, that is the Spirit is, has been working in us, bringing about a, a reliance, an ongoing abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. So how am I going to stand before a holy God? What am I going to do to explain myself? <laughs> I ain't really going to talk a whole lot about myself. Father, God, I've got a perfectly good explanation for my shenanigans. Yeah. I just got to come up with it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, we, 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 what do we have to commend ourselves with before God in and of ourselves natively? What have we done that, that we think that, 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 that is a measure on the scale that would tip in our favor our native sinfulness, it, it ain't going to go well.
but I have something wonderful going for me. And you could have something wonderful going for you as well. You could rely solely upon Jesus. You could realize that the perfect life that you haven't lived, that I haven't lived, he lived flawlessly. You could realize that the, that the, that the death that he died, the death that, that is really um, deserving of me to die, the, the day you sin, you shall die, the, 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 the ultimate punishment for my sin is death, and, and yet the, the death that he died was as a perfect sacrifice, as a substitute for me and for my sin, taking my curse, taking the justice of God, observing the wrath of God. He did that for us and for me in our place. He did that for any and all who would even this morning be trusting in Jesus or for the first time turn in trust in Jesus. So when we stand before God and say, what's going on with you? What what are you doing here? I say, I'm here because of Jesus. So the first thing that, that when, when God's perfecting love by the Spirit that, that first shows up by abiding and believing, but then shows up by, by a growing, maturing love, not only toward us and in us, but now through us, we say, what I got going for me is I've got Jesus, who has sent His Spirit, who has brought me to the Father. So I, I don't have to spend a lot of time um, focused upon myself, which... The kind of fear he's talking about here is a fear of judgment. Not, not any and every kind of fear in the world is out of bounds. But, but here in this context, he's talking about a fear of standing before God. And you and I don't have to spend a whole lot of our time mulling that one over. It's been taken care of in our place. And yet then the second component then of the fruit of God's perfecting love. It, it does a work that settles our heart because it displaces fear of God's judgment from our hearts. Is It begins its work of transforming us. The, the end game, in that sense, of God's perfect love for us is that we begin to be a people who grow in how we love perfectly the others around us. Now, I, let me suggest to you, I think maybe in part what he's saying by the language in verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen. Do you realize that loving globally is a pretty ethereal thing that's easy to do? I mean, look, all you've got to do is appear to be loving. You can get on Facebook, you can get on social media, you can get on Twitter, and you can just boast and brag about how loving you are to all the species everywhere, every day. That doesn't require any of the kind of love that God has. An initiating love, a sacrificial love. You can, you can signal how virtuous you are in that love, and it is a cinch. People would, would, would follow you on Twitter and say, my, is there not a more loving person? Look at, that, 
Look at that blog post. Look at that Twitter statement or tweet or whatever you call that thing. Look, look at that Facebook post. And my, what a loving person. Now, and, and, and that person is deemed a loving person probably by, by most people uh, uh, who doesn't really have to live with that person. We've, we've seen this for, for several years now, but certainly during the, uh, the COVID virus, there's, there's the, the statement, you should, you should shop local, you, you should support local. That, that, that's a good statement. Well, really, what, I think part of what, what John is saying by sorting out how you love that brother whom you see is really what he's saying is love local. Love local. Many people who profess faith in Christ spend, spend a great bulk of their time misdirected in terms of their concept of love. They just think, Lord, why do you surround me with all of these unlovely people? Just a bunch of knuckleheads. You've got me in a church with unlovely people. You've got me in a marriage with unlovely person. You've got me in a family with unlovely kids. You've got me in a workplace with unlovely people. Lord, you've sur- I, I could be a loving person if you would just put loving people around me. Because everybody I see is not lovely. And, everybody, and so therefore, everybody that I see that's not lovely, it's just too much work to love them. God's love is being perfected in us who belong to Jesus. And what that means is that there's something beginning to pulsate in our souls that, that, that is a God kind of love. That, that, that is, and, and it's just... That, that, that the very kind of way that God perfectly loves us in our state of unloveliness and creates a loveliness in us in our state of otherwise unloveliness is now a kind of love that's not just flowing toward us, but now is to be flowing in us and through us so that in the same kind of way, the very people that we see, that we size up and say, uh-uh, not lovely, uh-uh, ugly, uh-uh, knuckleheads, uh-uh, I ain't loving them, is the same kind of now counterintuitive work of the Spirit is saying, that's exactly what you looked like before I went to work on you. If you could only see you the way I saw you. So I initiated a love towards you. When you were not much to look at. And I sacrificed in my love for you to meet your need, to bring you to me, and to now transform you to look like me. That's how I loved you. He says, now, the evidence that God's love is being perfected in us is that we have no fear of judgment and that we are acutely interested in strategizing, initiating, and even sacrificing a way to love those whom we might naturally deem to be unlovely. And this is the command that we have from him. 
whoever loves God must also love his brother. Even when his brother doesn't look much like God at all. For God loved us when we didn't look much like God at all. Father, thank you for Jesus who has laid down his life for us as a demonstration of love. Thank you for the presence of your spirit who has not only caused us to see the love of Jesus, but to now be matured and completed and perfected in the love of Jesus insofar as we're maybe a bit at a time but beginning to get a handle, a sense, a desire for how to love those that are right in front of us, how to love those that we can see. For, Father, even though we can't see you, since you've loved us first, we now love you. And since we now love you, we now love the same way that you love. Cause that, Father, to be a growing reality in us. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and